0: Live and underway here on ESPN Plus from the capital of Qatar on what is Hercules Gomez day eight of the 2022 World <laughs> Cup. One week down, just about three to go. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well, doing better than some of my friends, I should say.
0: Oh, yeah, where are those friends yeah. from? Canada, <sighs> North Mexico, of the border. anywhere in CONCACAF other than yeah. Costa Rica right now. They're, they're usually such great people, such docile people. Mm-hmm. What's that on your shirt? I would not say docile, I would say polite is the word that I would use, (laughs) (laughs) just just to not offend any of our Canadian uh, viewers.
1: Great people, great people, Uh, and honestly... For moments of this tournament. Yes. Great exhibition of football. Absolutely. absolutely. But we will get into it.
0: Yes. uh, So you got your Canadian shirt on. I got my Costa Rican shirt on. uh, Banga! Misticos, pura vida! Let's go. We're looking for any success here from the CONCACAF region. I know, I know. Thank you for pointing that out here (laughs) on on television. It's been that kind of day for your boy, Seb. Uh, So we had two CONCACAF teams in action today. We're going to cover that in just a little bit. Uh, We've got the latest on the U.S. men's national team, including uh, as best as we can explain what's going on between Gio Reyna and Greg Berhalter, because there's a, been a lot of talk about their relationship in the last 48 hours. We've got more on Mexico, Argentina, uh, and the fallout from that game, including Tata Martino kind of sounding off, her on the Mexican media. And of course, That's as strange. always here on Football Américas, we so will answer weird. your questions towards the end of the show. But let's start with Canada against Croatia in Group F action. Canada, of course, coming off that uh, one nothing defeat against Belgium Herc, as you say, they exhibited some great football. Croatia coming in off a scoreless draw against Morocco in their tournament opener. Alfonso Davies opening the scoring in the second minute, the first ever World Cup goal for Canada. Things were looking great. What motivation for the Croatian team? Don't worry, from there, they were plenty motivated. Andre Kramaric scoring in the 36th minute to make it 1-1, eight minutes after that, Marco Olivaya made it 2-1 as Croatia took a 2-1 lead at the half. In the second half, it was more from Croatia. Crammerich made it 3-1 in the 76. Lovro Meyer finishing things off in the fourth minute of stoppage time. 4-1 the final score as Canada lose their second straight game and become... The first team from CONCACAF to be eliminated from the competition. Second team overall joining the Second host. team overall. Qatar. And a reminder, Canada was actually the team that finished first in CONCACAF. World Cup qualifying. So, Herc, the final score is an ugly one. 4-1 Croatia. What went wrong for our friends from up north? All right. Let's talk about what went right first, right? Correct? The we first two minutes? The yeah, first sure. two minutes. The no. first
1: few minutes. Uh, what went wrong? Without going into full depth, heading into this match, the motivation you got. Yeah. We're going to talk about the trash talk talk and all that, but yeah. yeah. But that's one of the things, right? So the immediate posture. And then after that is this Canadian team does a few things very well. John Herdman does a few things very well. He's very good at analyzing an opponent and figuring out what they're good at and trying to neutralize that. And for the most part, he, he does those things very well. And then he attacks you with speed.
0: He's made the U.S. look bad. He's made Mexico look bad. He made Belgium look bad. He didn't make Croatia look bad. Yeah.
1: Mexico, like Belgium, a team that wants the ball, a team that maybe isn't that fast. Mm -hmm. Well, let's go to toe with them. Let's take the ball away. Let's outrun them. Let's outwork them in that midfield. Let's make it a physical game. Let's make it a a transition game. Croatia were ready for that. Well, Croatia wasn't ready for it. And that's why Alfonso Davies ended up scoring. Great for Alfonso Davies, good moment in transition, Great cross by TeJ Buchanan. Uh, but then it's who you have in your midfield and how transition could hurt them. So if you're able to bypass that Canadian press, which most of the time Belgium was not, mm-hmm. but if you're able to bypass that press, this is a straight avenue to your goal. Atiba Hutchinson. 39-year-old.
0: Legend for Canada. Mm-hmm. Legend. He will be 40 in February. He reminded me of the same way I felt watching Hector Herrera against Argentina, like a guy who, especially on the second goal for Croatia, just wasn't where he needed to be. And and that goal comes in, though at the 41st minutes, the end of the half, I'm assuming that is when, as a professional, you're the, at your most fatigued. And in the
1: second goal, it's actually Alfonso Davies who loses his mark on the wall pass the 1-2. A give two. and go. A give and go. Is and then it's, like a it's, really and it's Hutchinson mistake. trying to come over. He's not, he's not fast enough. Mm-hmm. He's not able to cover. Miller gets caught as well. All three of those big players, huge players for Canada, impact players, at fault in the second goal. Uh, But there were signs even before that. And then after the second goal, it's the third goal. It's Atiba Hutchinson again. It's these players getting dragged out. It's him not having the motor to deal with it. His legs were gone in the first half. Minute 40, I'm begging John Herdman to make a change. Kone Osorio, Mark Anthony, Kay, whoever you want, but make a change. And he stays with his captain. I love the loyalty to your players, that's fine. But help them out. Your team is fast. They are lethal in transition. They are lethal when they go at people with speed. But your midfield—that is the Achilles right there. So when they physically could no longer do anything, mm-hmm. when they physically could no longer con sus almas cope with anything out there, Croatia took advantage. And they saw Tiba Hutchinson. They saw they smelled blood in the water, and they went right for the jugular. And it was one, two, three, and then. With the motivation heading into this match, they didn't let their foot off the accelerator. Full throttle, throttle, excuse me, they wanted blood.
0: Yeah, it was interesting, because we talked so much about the motivation and the trash talk, we'll kind of break down what was said after this game in just a little bit, because the Croatians definitely had their day at the mic as well. But when Alfonso Davies scores two minutes in, you're saying, hey, th- the motivation is clearly on Canada's side here. The-, the message that John Herdman wanted to send, sure, it landed in the Croatian camp, but it also had the intended effect on the Canadian camp, obviously. Hindsight, we can look back can, and can say, "What?" Can I intervene very ahead, quickly?
1: Yeah. When Alfonso Davies scores, you're thinking this is the perfect scenario for Canada.
0: Perfect. Yeah.
1: Because Croatia has to open themselves up, and Canada can just pick you
0: apart. I guess some part of me felt like, "Oh, they scored too early." I did have that. Pain. It wasn't they scored too early. It was,
1: can you de- can you be disciplined? Can you now be disciplined and take Mm -hmm. advantage of the opportunity that's being presented to you? And John Herdman, the first time. And I have never criticized John Herdman. I've never criticized John Herdman. You've only
0: ever shown him love. Yeah. Before. Effusive in your praise. But
1: this is 100% on John Herdman, this is all on him. Tactically, after that goal is scored, when he saw Adiba Hutchinson no longer had the motor or the legs, you should have pulled him. You should have changed the formation. You should have changed the personnel. You should have protected the heart of the Canadian defense, that motor, and you did not. And Croatia just outclassed you from there.
0: Yeah, and I think that's an important point here. We're going to talk about what else happened in this group. Belgium having a very surprising result against Morocco as they lose. We looked at that Canada performance against Belgium and said, wow, Canada played so well and performed so well and made one of the tournament favorites. Exposed Belgium, by the way. You know, looked so bad. I think we have to now acknowledge, one, Belgium is not what we thought they were, and acknowledge that there's a significant gap between Croatia and Belgium. Croatia was really, really good today. And here's what I thought Croatia was was very good. They are ruthless, Herc. They got 13 shots today, 10 of them. Were on goal. They, they they make your goalie work. Boyan yeah. made six saves. Boyan wasn't at his best. Either. No, but but I mean he yeah. had a lot of work. I he mean he did. had to, he had to you know he had to be at his very very best to have kept this team in the game. Yeah. Maybe he wasn't. Would you think any of the goals were particularly his fault?
1: Yes. Which one? Yes. Uh, there are a few I thought he could have done better with. Okay. The, the second one I thought that's listen could have done the better ang- is the angle. The angle is is a little tight and and so is the distance mm-hmm. a little far. Um, left footed shot, side netting. The last goal, I believe, no, the third goal because the last goal was a 2v1. Yeah. The third goal, I know Atiba Hutchinson, he's trying to go get over and he's doing it in a parallel kind of skip type of way. He'll never get there and you might be a little screened. I also thought it uh, may have been on him. It, regardless, it wasn't his best showing. No. Um, if anything, I'm disappointed in what I saw from the decision-making, because you're giving Croatia a lot of credit here. I am. And, and, and that's fine. That's fine. But I saw a Croatian team that was susceptible, uh,
0: susceptible. I saw a Croatian team that a better team would have covered those spots and exactly. made them pay for it. But, but they're not – and that's you – can, you can point that out, and you can talk all her on you want, but what you're saying is Canada made them look vulnerable and yet couldn't take advantage. And what I'm pointing out is Croatia was incredibly clinical. They got those two chances, and it's not just – that they score them, it's when it happens. You get within eight minutes, two goals just before the half. Fair. That's, goals a, that's, change a, that's a dagger, and that's what great teams hey. do. And when we talk about what this Croatia team, maybe we forgot, but four and a half years ago, how they were in the how final How far of the do the you world have them Cup. going
1: based off what they did in Canada?
0: I think that'll answer I think they're I think they're going to win this group, and I think that's going to set them up for Okay, a, how far do you have them going? I, I could see them in the quarterfinals easily. I don't,
1: get, I don't see them past quarters.
0: All right, so you're saying they're, they're not a top-four team in the world. Right. Top eight team in the world's pretty good, especially when we're comparing it to CONCACAF. I mean it's I mean, top, eight. top eight and, teams and, and the her, US Men's National Team, Costa Rica and the South Korea Canadian, been top The eight team teams. from CONCACAF that we claim is the most clinical of the CONCACAF teams, that has the best creative players, the best wide creative players, and has the two best finishers. So I'm just saying there's a big gap there. If you don't think do Croatia ha- is that good, the best look how defenders? clinical they are. Do they have the most central? Look midfielders? How, how much how much Canada was lacking in the final third. Talk to me about Alfonso Davies because he yeah. has the great moment. First goal in Canadian World Cup history. You figured that it would be Alfonso Davies. After that, what would you think of him? Because I don't think I see a guy at 100%. And no. I, I think we're seeing that in his performance. <sighs> at times he looks 100% because he gets the ball and he runs
1: at you. And if you're a defender, you're on your heels. If but for, you're that defender, was in
0: like the first 15 minutes. And after that, I saw a lot of walking. Right, right. I saw a lot of walking. And a
1: lot of that... And and people need to realize, when we speak about being 100%, we're not just talking about, is the injury healed? We're talking about, are you fit? Are you at your physical capacity to run? Stamina, all those things.
0: At Alfonso Davies'
1: usual level, which is world elite class. class. And he did not look that. But can I talk to you about the reaction that I saw from Alfonso Davies? Because it's so easy. You miss a penalty kick against Belgium, and you're a young player, and you come into a shell, and you're like, oh, this is what my tournament's going to be. But an immediate reaction. And there was one guy, one guy you thought... Would be the guy Mm -hmm. and deserve to be the guy. The first goal in World Cup history for Canada, it's that man. It's Alfonso Davies. What he means for that program, what he means for that country, what he means uh, for future generations of Canadian football. That's the guy you would have pegged, and it was him. So I love the mentality. I love the attitude. I love the personality. But you're right. He didn't look 100% fit.
0: Immediately after that yeah and it is a it's a great goal like you see everything that Alfonso Davies is cause And also Canada Tejan Buchanan hangs it up there it's a good ball into a dangerous spot but Davies attacks it I mean the Croatian defender I think it's their right Flat-footed. back is, yeah. it, I mean he's not even he's not anywhere in, in dunk Davies and I think to, to your point about responses it's even something that we can compare from game to game. After the penalty, we were like we criticized Davies a little bit because it seemed like his level dropped. Clearly, he was not going to let it drop yeah. any further. He picks it up. I think. I think really that what we're seeing when we're being critical of Davies' play is just a player who's not at his best. Yeah,
1: and to your point physically. about him being at his physical best, the first goal that Croatia scores when they literally won two around yes. him, he's a he's a left back for one of the best teams I know. in the world. That's a, that's yeah. a play. That's a play that. Usually, never happens on him, and he's always waiting for. And I know he's pushed up higher up the field, but an Alfonso Davies at optimal physical, he bumps the guy off
0: or something. Because I'm watching, and he recovers because there's a good
1: 30 yards for him to recover.
0: I'm watching that with Nada Manua, who's a defender by trade, and the first thing he says is, ooh, Davies. Davies got beat there on a wall pass, and I guess that's something from a professional standpoint. Yeah, Tiva that's, uh, that's uh, Hutchinson couldn't right? come over and, and cover him fast enough. Kamal Miller got caught as well. It was a perfect storm of things and circumstances that just led to that goal. So you mentioned the potential motivation from Croatia. Of course, we know uh, after Canada's game against Belgium, John Herdman, their manager, said, we're going to go and F Croatia in the next mm. game. That ticked off all sorts of international headlines. Um, and then after the game, here was the response from Croatia, as if the 4-1 wasn't enough. Uh, Andre Kramaric, who was actually the man of the match uh, in this one with his two goals, said, I want to thank Canada's coach for the motivation. In the end, Croatia demonstrated who F whom. All right, Herc, uh, more shots fired here. These seem, I don't know, kind of well-deserved. This isn't shots fired. This is nail
1: in the coffin. Mm. That's what this is. It's over. As you're down, out for the count, let's move on. Right. What you don't want to do... Forget about life. Okay? Sports, let's consider in sport. You should never um, talk ill of somebody...
0: That you're about to see? Yes.
1: <laughs> and in sports, what you don't want to do is give bulletin board material right. to an already more talented individual or team. Mm-hmm. If you're a candidate who's in your second World Cup ever, who's still looking for your first World Cup goal, and didn't even win the game against Belgium, that everybody is saying, look how great you looked right. versus Belgium. What you least want to do is upset a team that individually and collectively has done more
0: than your federation. And to your point about Belgium is probably has seen that Belgium game and was already going to be up for you. Like it wasn't going to be a, they weren't going to be looking down at Canada for sure. They were already going to be ready. And then you throw this gasoline on the fire. What you wanted is to
1: be the one insulted. You wanted the bulletin board material. You did not want to provide this. This was, and listen, I'm a huge fan of John Mm Herdman, but this was as boneheaded as it got. And I think he realized that after, I think he said it in the heat of the moment to his team. But when they ask you what you said to the guys, you don't actually have to reveal what yes. you said to the guys. Yeah. That's for your team. Coaches lie? What? That is for your team. To the media? Go on. Say anything else mm. but what you said to
0: fire up a country. Forget about the Croatian soccer. A country. What's Herdman's bigger failure in this game? Is it tactical or is it this? Tactical. Okay. It's tactical. Okay. It's not this.
1: Yeah. I, you know what? It, Talk is talk. Yeah, yeah. It's what you do on the
0: field. And it's also very easy to sit here after a 4-1 and say, hindsight, boy, you really got him fired up. If Canada holds on to that one nothing lead. I'm trying lead... to
1: think, Seb, about another moment where John Herdman has gotten it wrong. Right. I can sit here and go into my memory bank and think about some Greg Berhalter moments that he's gotten sure. it wrong. One, two, three, maybe. We could
0: do a whole Tata two-hour Martino. episode on Tata, yeah.
1: Tata Martino. Uh, Luis Fernando Suarez. Sure. Yes, yeah. You know, all these different coaches in CONCACAF. I can go back. But I can't go back and think of an actual moment that John Herdman has gotten it wrong. Mm -hmm. This is the first one where I go back and I think, man, did he get it wrong. This one
0: today hurts Okay. Um, because of where they were, because of what they could have done. Vlatko Dalic, the uh, manager for Croatia, actually came out after the game and said, Herdman didn't shake his hand. His quote was, high-quality professional, but it'll take him time to learn some things. To that end, Herdman's 47. Uh, is this something he will learn from, or do you think this is who he is? And we'll just see a fiery no. manager. This, or, is, this, this is something he will learn okay. from. Okay, okay. Listen, I don't care hey, how s- old you some are. Some people don't change Pio Herrera. I don't. They, I don't you know, some people don't learn from. But they have the capacity. Right. Uh, But that's what I'm asking you. Do you you believe Herdman is a guy who will change, or do you think he is a— No,
1: everything about Herdman screams professionalism to me and that he can change. I'm not going to define the man, the manager, for a snapshot of two weeks of his life, okay, Okay. for for a bad 15 seconds that he was in the heat in the moment trying to get his guys fired up, and he didn't think, and he said something out loud. I'm not going to judge him for that, nor will I judge him for the rest of his career for what he didn't do in this game versus Croatia. What I am telling you is this opportunity for Canada— This opportunity today, because I honestly thought they could get a result versus Croatia, and I honestly thought it would be very difficult, but it would be a great game versus Morocco, and then anything could happen, and they can get out of this group. I honestly felt that. They will never get that moment back. Yep.
0: Instead, it's two and out. We use the term fracasso a lot on this show. Is Canada's World Cup campaign a fracaso? No. Absolutely not. Forget about what they did in World Cup qualifying. Yes, I'm just talking about the World Cup campaign. Yeah. Two and out. Yeah. You don't even get a shot in your forget third game. You're, they, you're done before the third about game. That. How, how ma- is that not a how failure? How many games
1: have they played in World Cup in their history? This how many goals fifth.
0: do they have? This was the fifth game. They've got one goal. This is the first goal in World Cup history. Okay, but you're talking about the past. We're talking about this campaign. This campaign mm-hmm. cannot be
1: considered a failure because you lost to Croatia and Belgium. Okay. If that's a failure, excuse me. I loved what they showed versus Belgium. I loved what they showed in the first to 10 minutes versus Croatian at times beyond that. I love what they stood for. I love how they never abandoned their DNA. de mm. pie. I love that
0: about them. If this is a failure, man, there are gonna be a lot of failures in life for people. If there's a failure in this for Canada, it actually does come before. They didn't need to be a pot four team. They lost two of their last three games in qualifying. And I know it sounds like a long time ago, but the way FIFA does this, those fractions of points made a big difference. Good that point, dropped Sadie. them from port, point port, pot four to they would have been in pot three, and now you get a group with two very good European teams, a very good team in Morocco, and it's. I so, don't think there's so very they're many. Better off. I don't think there's very many pot four teams that are ever going to get out oh, of the group phase.
1: Okay, so they're better off against uh, Spain, Germany, and Japan.
0: That's <laughs> a, a good example. That's a bad draw for Costa Rica. It's a bad draw for Costa Rica there. And big picture, you're right. Like, yeah, if we put like, a big picture, we had the conversation with Dwayne De Rosario. Like, whatever Canada had done here, it is a success. right? Is, we see all of the, of the joy. And it's
1: not over. They could still play, play spoiler. Totally.
0: And they could still get their first win yeah, um, yeah. in World Cup history. So uh, an opportunity there for Canada. All right, let's get to the let's other go, eh? from uh, Group F because there was another upset here. This one featuring Belgium and Morocco. Belgium, of course, winners over Canada in their first game by a final score of one nothing. Morocco, remember, got one point in their opener in that scoreless draw against Croatia. This game was also scoreless at the half. Uh, after Hakim Ziyech had a goal disallowed thanks to VAR. Uh, The second half is when Morocco really got things going. The goal came in the 73rd minute, Roman Seiss, uh, and then Morocco would add another in stoppage time from Zakaria Aboukal. Not at all a great day for one of the best goalies in the world, Thibaut Courtois of Belgium, not exactly covering himself in glory. So Morocco pulls the upset as they down Belgium by a final score of 2-0, making this group Oh, so you're, gonna, you're gonna throw that on
1: Thibaut Courtois?
0: Yeah, you don't think the, you don't think any of the goals were on Courtois today? Put
1: somebody in the near post. I mean, what's he gonna do with all the traffic? I mean, in front of him? goalie
0: gets beat at the near post like that? Wow, you've never he's, played goalkeeper. He's huh? cheating. He's cheating out for the cross. You've
1: never been a goalkeeper.
0: You you don't think that was on Courtois at all? I mean, a little bit. Roberto Martinez. A little put bit. Okay, Thank you. No, no,
1: no. I mean, it's Dude, not. It. you can't have all that traffic in front of you, and then be put the blame if there's nobody on that near post. <laughs>
0: Ball just comes in. What do you think or he's going to do? Are you do? Casey Keller sitting next to me? A ball goes in on the new you're post. A six-foot-seven goalie, the best goalie in the world, doesn't handle it. Goes in right in front of him. You you're going to give him a pass? Ball? 100%. Wow, that's
1: coaching yes. right there. Roberto Martinez. And by the way, can you give me my flowers? Can I, can I get my flowers here? Who
0: said Belgium? Would be the frac- fracaso of this World Cup, the deception of the tournament. Credit to Morocco as they pick up their first World Cup win since <laughs> 1998 when they beat a Scotland squad featuring one Craig Burley.
2: Pasión, determinación y constancia es lo que te hace campeón y mantiene tu actitud de ride or die, baby. eBay Motors.
0: All right, let's turn our attention to Japan and Costa Rica. This one a physical affair, 31 combined fouls, uh, 22 of them by the Japanese team. Everybody thinks of Japan as this technical team. Uh, They're pretty physical as well. The Japanese had 57% possession. They had 13 shots. And Herc, Costa Rica only had one shot on goal. It came from Keisha Fuller in the 81st minute, and somehow, some way, it found the back of the net. Costa Rica, that's right, Costa Rica, off that 7-0 drubbing at the hands of Spain, picks up a 1-0 victory over a Japanese team that, how could we forget, stunned Germany in the opener by a final score of 2-1. And there you see, for the first time in World Cup history, a team has won after losing a game by seven or more goals. Production,
1: production thinks they're funny putting Brian Reese on that graphic. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You don't like? You hate Brian Reese? What's no, I just didn't play today. And I don't think there'll be many Costa. Ricans. Maybe he's the only person that we have a like nice picture. of.
1: <laughs> uh, my thoughts.
0: Am I surprised? Give Luis Fernando Suarez his, his uh, flowers here after you killed him last game. No. Give Costa Rica your flowers after you buried them last game. Costa Rica, see. Sí. Okay. Uh, you talk about no
1: traicionan su estilo. They like they don't desert yeah. or they don't. They don't, betray, abandon, they the don't they do abandon the way they do They don't betray or abandon. Yeah, their DNA. Uh, the way they do things, this was them in World Cup qualifying. I mean, it was like 5-4-1, if you will. Mm-hmm. It was let's be just disciplined. Let's be dogs in the back. Let's just defend, defend, defend. And, and not see, go forward really, really at all. Really not go forward. I mean, it was a first shot on goal in two games, and it ended up being the goal, Yeah, right? Fuller's goal. And Fuller, who was playing a right wing back, found himself in that position. And I still think the goal deflects off the the Japanese defender.
0: Look at that heat map, by the way, for the Costa Rican
1: team. And it offputs the goalkeeper, I think, because it was a very strange shot, found itself in the back of the net. And then, per usual with Costa Rica, you need Keylor Navas to be big. You need Keylor Navas to be the Keylor Navas of old. The Keylor Navas before he was benched at PSG, the Keylor Navas who's one of the most underappreciated players of our generation, one of the best goalkeepers of our generation. You needed that Keylor Navas to step up in the biggest of moments, and he did, Mm. and he was there. But everything else, typical Costa Rica fashion. And Luis Fernando Suarez, hey, at least the subs were somewhat young today. At least there was no Brian Ruiz trying to give you fresh legs. Bennett coming off the bench, these players who could provide something uh, going forward, some legs because you got to roll up your sleeves, you have to fight. From that standpoint, I like what Costa Rica did. It was presentable. Congo can their first victory of what is this World Cup. Um, but if you're asking me to give Luis Fernando Suarez his flowers here, Oh man, he's part of the reason they were in this.
0: Um, you mentioned Kaylor Navas; he makes three saves in this game. Uh, Japan obviously kind of bossing the game, lots of possession, lots of opportunities. Kaelor Navas needed to have a big game, yeah. didn't? Because he was the one that was in the middle of the controversy, not just for his poor performance against uh, J- against Spain, but because of what happens the night before, right? The Instagram live with him and the guys out—it's a huge controversy. It doesn't look good, does it? If if there was ever a moment where Navas needed it, uh, it was here. I was shocked that that was even a story after the first game. That was for me. If I was a Costa Rica fan, I would have been so disappointed in the team and in Navas in, in, in that light. They, they had to have a bounce back here, almost out of a point of pride, because I think even with the goal difference now as we see it, sí, it's cooked. Pero
1: no. I don't really know how big of a controversy that was in Costa Rican circles, if I'm being honest. I mean, were they out all hours of the night getting drunk? Just, no, I didn't see any alcohol. And where are they going to get that alcohol? Yeah. You've been here in Qatar. You know how difficult it has been for us to get alcohol? Um yeah, yeah, and I don't think they're at the restaurant in this five-star five, five, five hotel, excuse me. So I don't I don't know how big of a deal that is. But what I will say is I don't think Keylor Navas himself nor us as fans or pundits are used to seeing Keylor Navas in this position yeah. where he's the scapegoat, where he's being criticized, where he's the one at fault. Because that was the case versus España, versus Spain. Asensio shot the ball literally right at his chest and he pushed it in. And that's a... Keylor Navas, like, has to be saved type of shot. Keylor Navas of old closes his eyes and saves that with his elbow. Like, that's a reality. There's, there's nothing in me to, to not think that Keylor Navas would be the one mm-hmm. making that type of mistake. But because we know this about Keylor Navas, we're used to this, we're accustomed to seeing this, we expect great things from Keylor Navas, even with that Costa Rican team, that Costa Rican defense. Listen, uh, Duarte still played, Waston came in, but it was still a very shaky defense. It was still like, Ben, do not break. He was still the big time player he's always been for Costa Rica. Can he be that again in the biggest of all games versus Germany? Mm. That's going to be tough.
0: Yeah, uh, to the point about Navas, we made it last show, right? His last start at club level was in May for PSG, so maybe that first game was a little bit of rust. I don't want to say nerves because he's he's such an experienced player. Do you think um, Japan, having beaten Germany, disrespected Costa Rica a little bit? They made five changes from a team that obviously worked so well against the Germans. That surprised me. I I thought Japan would stick with what worked. Although to be fair, a lot of those Their success against Germany came in the second half after some subs were made, but still to see five changes from a 2-1 win uh, over a four-time World Cup champion, to me that says they looked a little bit too much into that 7-0 that was hung up on Costa Rica.
1: Yeah, maybe they looked a little too much into that 7-0, but the spine is roughly there, right? The spine is roughly there. They just changed some things on the outside and the nine. That said, you probably don't make those wholesale changes if you think Costa Rica is not a team you're just going to run over. And, and listen, Japan almost escaped out of there with the
0: win. There was the red card. That was we'll talk about that in a second. Let me right. ask you let me ask you about the goal though. I've I've seen the replay a million times. and I can't see a deflection, but I'm convinced there's a deflection, I'm or is convinced. it just bad goalkeeping from? No, you know what? I'm convinced. that he's a Japanese a defender. Japanese yeah, goalie. I'm
1: convinced he's a Japanese defender, and Konda's already in the air when it gets deflected, so it offputs him.
0: Yeah. Um, it's I don't like when a guy Fuller goes up for a rebound it and it bounces twice on the rim, and he's just kind of he's stuck already in the air, in air. Yeah.
1: so he's trying to do because he he attacks it with two arms. You don't attack it with with two hands. Excuse yes. me, uh, unless you're absolutely certain if you're, you're going to catch it. you're going to palm Correct. it
0: away. Yeah. It was, so that
1: that to me was was indicative of maybe there being, not maybe, that there was a deflection. Um, that said, these things happen, yep. right?
0: You put it on goal, it, good things happen, right? And That's, it's the first
1: time they put a exactly, shot on goal.
0: Exactly, a lesson learned there for Los Ticos. Let's talk about the key moment of the match. Francisco Calvo, 70th minute. Uh, I think it's Ito, Hiroki Ito, yeah. who's, who's in. It's only a yellow card given to Calvo. It's the second of the tournament, so he is gonna miss the next game. Do you think it should have been red? So Calvo will miss the next game, right? Yeah. Uh,
1: so essentially, he's sacrificing himself for the team here. Yeah. He knows next yellow he's out. Uh, here's the thing. Ito is literally going in towards the box and about to shoot. He's not. There are two defenders, so it doesn't make it last man. Mm-hmm. But they're far enough where he gets the shot off. It's a clear look on goal. To me, it's a denial of an obvious goal scoring opportunity. It should have been a red to me. Mm. I don't care if there are two players beyond him. That's a shot on goal. That's about a 17-yard shot, maybe 16 yards away, on Keylor Navas, unopposed. A little further back than a penalty kick. To me, that's a goal-scoring opportunity. Now, Kylian Mbappe had mm-hmm. something similar yesterday. Yep. Full head of steam, midfield, two Danish defenders, so it's not last man. But if he's not fouled, meek meek. He's going 1v1 with that goalkeeper. The distance between him being at half field and the goal comes into play, no red card. Now the distance should come into play. It should be a red card. Mm. I thought it was a red card offense.
0: A couple of the big moments in this game clearly going Costa Rica's game. I think you, you, way you might say they were lucky to score their goal and they were lucky not to see Calvo sent off there in the 70th minute. Before we talk about uh, what Costa Rica has to do in their next game against Germany, uh, let's get you caught up on tonight's big game, which was Germany against Spain. The two powerhouses uh, in Group E going head to head. Of course, Spain coming in off the seven goal outburst in the opener against Costa Rica. Germany losers 2-1 against Japan. The goal is coming in the 62nd minute. Spain went ahead through Alvaro Morata. And then Germany found their equalizer. 21 minutes after that, it was Nicholas Fulkrug who made it 1 1 in the 83rd minute as Germany and Spain share the points in a game that ends one apiece. So, where does that leave us? Through two games. In Group E, Spain are on four points, and the computers say they are 99.99999% to advance. Kind of like what Turk said about Luca della Torre's chance to start in the World Cup. Japan on three points. Costa Rica on three points. I only bring it up because I'm going to get a free pair of shoes out of it. Uh, and Germany uh, on just one Wait, point. you're going to get a free pair of shoes? From. Producer New Beth, do you remember this? We have the tape. Maybe it wasn't a pair of shoes. Maybe it was like 50 bucks or 100 bucks. What no. was it? Well, for me, it was a pair of shoes. I don't know what it was for you. Uh, okay. I think you just spoke out of side of your mouth. So uh, sp- a- anyways, you may still start against Iran or the next game. Oh, of okay. Day. All right. Uh, don't take us too far off course here. Yeah, you're Costa right. Rica. How did they get it done against Germany? Any chance? You said they, had, they were done after the 7-0. What do you think now? I don't see it happening. Why? Especially
1: after what Germany showed me versus Spain. Um... They scored a goal, had one called back, the Rudiger goal, which I thought was fairly called offside. But still, mm-hmm. those are opportunities. Um, and, and it's still a German team with knockouts on the line, right? Uh, a very good uh, German team, very good professionals against a Costa Rican team that doesn't really attack. Uh, ben, do not break. But uh,
0: it worked today against Japan. I mean, they abs- and Japan beat Germany. Japan so made wholesale whole so whole Why whole 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 couldn't that same formula work against her? Why couldn't you absorb and nick a goal late? Yeah, maybe you could. Would you bet on it?
1: No, not my own money. So that's where I'm at right now when, when I do this analysis. Would I bet on it? No. Can it happen? Yes, because we've seen crazy things happen in this World Cup. There's something in the air here. There's something in the water. Uh, there's something in these low-scoring games. I don't know how much of a low-scoring World Cup this is compared to other World Cups, but I can feel it. it uh, it's not a high-scoring World Cup.
0: Luis Fernando Suarez, you've, you've criticized him a lot. We know some people that know him. I won't use the word that they use. I'll I'll clean it up a little bit. He's very conservative uh, as a coach. If they go down a goal, like, does he have an approach? Does this team have it in their bag to, like, it no. up and go get it or no. is it just go- no. Joe Campbell's yeah. his only
1: answer Bennett yeah. coming off the bench Bennett's had like nine games you know in his career uh, Contr- Contrera, excuse me is the actual like guy playing at the nine position right now um, when he starts for Luis Fernando Suarez I don't think he has the variance to go out and get a goal he has the variance to go out and nick a goal mm-hmm. but it has to be 0-0 I can't see him chasing the game and being successful. It's imperative that they keep the zero in the back if they are to win. I don't see a scenario, a possible scenario, in this game versus Germany where Germany scores a goal and they don't get out of there with
0: the three points. If Germany goes ahead... Game, set, match, is what you're saying. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw it up on the graphic before, but it was the fewest touches in an opponent's box in a winning effort in the World Cup perk since 1966. It feels like every time Costa Rica play, they set some kind of record that has stood since 1966. Sometimes it's good, Um, sometimes it's bad. Let's take a look at the odds for the Costa Rica uh, and Germany game. We'll wrap things up in Group E on the third and decisive day of Group Group E action. Uh, That, of course, the third and final match between uh, these two teams. Costa Rica, 5% chance to win. uh, According to computers, Germany getting 80% and then uh, 15% there for the draw. So as you can see, the Germans, as you would expect, very much the favorites in this match. Let's talk about the Americans USA let's talk about some television or shall we USA England TV ratings are in and they are huge Fox's numbers 15.4 million viewers a number that actually peaked at 19.6 4.6 million watched on Telemundo this makes it by far the most watched game of this World Cup and second only to the 2-2 draw against Portugal back in the group phase of the 2014 World Cup as far as men's World Cup games are concerned. That game got 24.7 million viewers. So it's a big, big audience. Where does it fit into the scheme of biggest games in American's, American soccer World Cup history on the men's side? Well, as far as TV, it's, it's the biggest, right?
1: It's probably who they would pick. Besides Mexico and say like quarterfinal, semifinal, sure. that you can get that type of viewership, but you would pick England because of this fatuation that the American public has with. You think England.
0: so? You you think like a USA Argentina with a Messi wouldn't have drawn more?
1: It's a good question. I. I
0: well, still like think, a
1: Brazil, I still think the English Premier League, the Lord, yeah. the English national. I think League, that's, this
0: generation of, of English players. I, I think that speaks to soccer fans. But I think what we have to be honest about these type of ratings is it's not soccer fans. It's casual, casual sports fans, right. if that. And so those people, while they might appreciate England and the history between the two countries. they appreciate Messi more. Messi, I mean, Messi, you know, or, or whoever it might be, if it's Neymar or whatever. I think Messi is clearly that guy right now. Ronaldo clearly was that. In 2014, that's a huge part of that 24.7 million is the Ronaldo star power. Uh, but it does feel like it was a, a massive game. And I think the performance is actually something, even though it wasn't a win, and, and it's a scoreless game, which I feel like the American public, you know, might generally not appreciate, it was a good performance from the guys. Like they lived up to the spotlight. They lived up to the moment. So uh, I'm going to,
1: as Seb likes to say, pull back the curtain here, okay? Yeah. Um, as soon as that game was over, later on that night, I'm doing FC in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And during the commercial breaks, one of my colleagues starts saying how he lamented how he was, it's, it's too bad the game ended up in a draw. And I said, why? He goes, I don't think the American public yeah. is savvy, savvy enough to appreciate what that draw means against this, these players, this English national team. And it got me thinking about what you just said. Are we talking about the general footballing public in the States? Are we talking about the casuals, millions of casuals who turn well, in? what's
0: the point of a World Cup? It's to bring more people in under the umbrella. Right. So you gotta. it's not about the hardcores. It is about convincing those casuals. Well, and if it's about convincing those casuals, I don't know how
1: much a 0-0 draw is going to do to convince those casuals because they wouldn't appreciate the same way that these but more if they really savvy w- football fans will.
0: But if they really watch the 90 minutes I, I, and they and they saw the team play – they can appreciate it and I think they'll come back for these, Tuesday. These casuals are the ones that are saying, Wait a second, this just ends in a draw? I think I think <laughs> they'll I think they would come back for Tuesday, but we have to be honest about kinda of what boosts ratings, right? Like if you want a big rating, when do you play? In yeah. primetime, you play at night. This game was on Black Friday, which is a holiday. So it may as well have been a primetime night game. Tuesday's game, and I'll be very interested because it's actually a much more important game, but it happens at 2 p.m. Eastern, Sir, 11 a.m. You just Pacific. mentioned Messi if you on want to ratings,
1: right? Right. Okay, you want to draw people into the sport. What, what's, what's important? Winning.
0: Winning. Yeah. Draws are important. Goals. Goals are important. Yeah. Was there a goal score? No, I didn't get either of those. Uh, one of the To big your li- point. Yes. To, that's you. to your point. Yeah. Um, one of the big reasons there wasn't a goal scored, at least by the English, hmm. was the American defense. Uh, right. And one of the key pieces of that American defense is team, Tim Reem. He was on the podium today. Let's hear what he had
3: to say. Welcome to the Bun Brothers press conference. The Bun Brothers.
2: What kinds of problems does Iran pose that maybe England and Wales
4: didn't?
3: Yeah, I think they're they're similar to uh, to a Wales in in the first half anyway, and in, in that they, you know, you, you watch them against England and, and they um, sat back a little bit more and, and tried to, to hit on the you know on, on the transition moments and the, and the counterattack. attack. Um, obviously, a very you know a couple couple very good players up front in, in Taremi um, with with his finishing, so you know he's he's one to, to be aware of. But um, again, this game is going to be about about us. Uh, And and about what what we need to do and and what we have to do to to advance and and to win
0: Next is Geo Greg anyway All right, so there we got Tim Ream on the podium the bun brothers. What do you think of that? Let's start there if they're the bun brothers. What are we? I don't. I don't want to know what the internet would nickname us. <laughs> you, if you put that, if you put that uh, out for Twitter as we do often on the show, uh. where we ask for your, for your questions. The center backs was it was a huge talking point yeah. coming into this tournament. Actually, all through qualifying, we didn't know who it would be. If you would have told us six months ago, twelve months ago, maybe eighteen months ago that it would be Tim Ream and Walker Zimmerman, I think a lot of people would have said zero chance. And if it is those guys, it's not going to be good for the United States. They are there. They are the anchors, and so far the U.S. has conceded just once, and it was from a penalty. Any U.S. men's national team supporter or anybody that watched the U.S. men's national team
1: throughout World Cup qualifying would have told you ideal two center backs were probably Miles Robinson and Chris Richards. That would be the dream scenario of center backs. This Walker Zimmerman,
0: and I'm, f- I'm fascinated with how much you love Chris Richards for a guy that we've hardly seen. You're, you're betting so much on Did potential. You, do you there. listen when I talk? Yeah.
1: Do you listen when I talk? Mm-hmm. I didn't tell you mine. I said anybody right. who watches them, okay? Like the majority of people, that's what they would have said. That is their dream center back scenario, mm-hmm. okay? I like Walker, okay? I thought Walker and Miles Robinson were very good together. Mm-hmm. That wasn't an, a possibility. Never did I think, never did I think Walker Zimmerman and Tim Ream would be the partnership. You know how I felt about Tim Ream. Before World Cup qualifying started. I did not see this Tim Ream being here at 36 years of age. Being right now, one of one. Like, if I had a bit, who's the first center back on your call sheet? Yeah. It's Tim Ream. Yeah. He's I, definitely
0: been the better of the two. I
1: did not expect that. He's been brilliant. I don't care how old he is. Uh, he's had a phenomenal two games. And I thought Walker signs the penalty kick, the mistake mm-hmm. uh, that he committed versus Wells and one or two Passes out the against, back England. Yeah. against England. Against yeah. England. I thought he's been good. And I think a lot of that has to do with Tim Ream and how much of a calming presence he is. But the defensive line, and listen, we can sit here and talk about Tyler Adams all we want being a big important factor for that defensive line. protects them, shields them, yeah. They've been very good, the whole defensive line. But it starts with just two center backs.
0: And you know me. what's crazy? They played together in these two games... They'd never played together before. This back four, Anthony Robinson, Tim Ream, Walker Simmers, and Sergino Desk, we had not seen. It's what we've seen in the first two games. It's worked perfectly. What, what, is, what do they say? I mean, Desk looks like a really good defender.
1: <laughs> what do they say with center backs? Uh, how much fam- familiarity, yeah. excuse me, matters when it comes to this type yeah. of thing?
0: Well, maybe the familiarity that we're seeing that they're benefiting from is Ream and Robinson, right? Yeah. Those two guys working together at such a high level, at club level, certainly that's got to be and a I big And I still don't think we've seen the best defense. out of uh,
1: Anthony Robinson, but uh, definitely. Definitely we've seen the best in a U.S. Men's National Team jersey of Tim Ream, and
0: what a time to give your best, what a time to show out like the World Cup. Mm-hmm. So there it is, uh, Tim Ream ranking first across defensive duels, progressive carries, passes into the attacking third, and second on clearances on the U.S. Men's National Team. The aging defender proving many folks wrong, including Hercules he, he, may, he may be my
1: second ever male culpa on the show. Yeah, because uh, the first was... Uh, what was his name? Uh, the Philly coach. Jim Jim Curtin. It's long first. nights here in
0: Qatar.
1: <laughs> Jim Curtin was the first. But listen... But
0: that he, wasn't on the show. That was like three years
1: before the show well, yeah, started. But yeah, but I, I, yeah. I said that it was one of the only fifth only male culpa that I have. Uh, Tim Ream's been brilliant. It doesn't matter who he's played against. It doesn't matter what kind of um, forward he's gone against, uh-huh. whether it's a... Uh, uh, a big physical nine, whether it's a, a a nine who drops in deep, whether it's a offensive line that you're playing against that is good when you, they run at you, he's been as advertised.
0: All right, let's get to one of the big stories around this U.S. men's national team, and it is what's going on between Gio Reyna and Greg Berhalter. Of course, uh, Reyna didn't play in the opener. He came on as an 83rd minute sub against England, and after the Wales match, Greg Berhalter described some tightness and a last minute check for the young star. Reyna was asked about a post game and he said he's 100%. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Eric Winalda, US World Cup legend, was on a Twitter Spaces convo a couple days ago and he said he was consoling his former teammate, Claudio Reina, of course, Gio's dad. Winalda said, quote, Gio was fit to play. Berhalter did lie to the media and say it was an injury. He asked the player to go along with that story, which caused a rift between them, and now Gio is on the bench. Herc, these are explosive allegations. Uh, what do you make of them?
1: So Eric Winnell claims, mm-hmm. via Claudio Reyna, mm-hmm. Gio's father, that Gio was asked to lie. That's what Eric Winnell is saying. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Um, this, List- soo- can I, this sounds like a game of phone like, phone that just kind of, like, somebody said one thing, somebody else said, uh, and by the end time it got to the last person, it was greatly exaggerated. Maybe. But from the beginning, I, I've said something doesn't Have feel you ever like. heard a
1: coach ask a player to lie? No. Okay. From the beginning, I told you, I quite can't put my finger on this. Something's going on here. One of these two are lying. Um, Where is the truth? Is it Gio's not fit mm-hmm. and the coach is trying to protect the player? Or is it Gio is fit, and the player blundered a tactical decision is using him as a scapegoat? The coach, yeah. I think it's somewhere in between, the truth. We all talk, okay? U.S. Men's National Team players talk, coaches talk, friends of friends, family members. I've heard from the players' camp, people around them. Mm -hmm. I've heard from other players. And I think the truth is somewhere in between. Is this a game of phone? I think it is. These conversations that were um, by Eric Winalda filtered into yes. the press could be. I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just saying something still doesn't smell right to me. Is there a situation, given the players' history, where they saw him and he still doesn't look physically fit, so they want to take care of him? Maybe. Yeah. There's no is there also a situation where maybe Greg Berhalter got the tactics wrong? and he spoke out of churn, yes, Yes, he likes to talk, and oftentimes he gets himself in trouble when he talks. But I honestly think the truth is somewhere in between in this one.
0: Yeah, because if the player says he's fit and the medical staff says that the player is fit, but the coach doesn't feel that the player can give him what he needs, in the coach's mind, it is still a fitness thing, isn't it? It And isn't it the coach's prerogative and almost obligation to take that even if it is a really difficult decision, I mean, Berhalter and Reyna were teammates. Yeah. Cla- Berhalter and Claudio Reyna were teammates. Correct. So, uh, you know, it's it must be a very difficult decision for him to look at Gio Reyna, who, by the way, is also a freaking amazing player, and not you want to use him. If he's not using him, to me, it's there must be something that, even though Gio might think he's fit, Greg isn't convinced yet of it there's no coach on this earth that doesn't play a player who he thinks could help him win and there's no way that we think if Gio Reyna is fit that he he's was not fit enough player, to start even for Dortmund in the run-up to this right but and I guess that's where from the Gio given perspective the player's history right but if but if Dortmund set and Dortmund's the one that's investing in him if they're the ones who are saying hey he's good enough to, to start for us I could very much understand from the Reina perspective, specifically the player. Like, hey, if my you're the player. You want cl- to play. My club even signed if you're not off 100%, on this.
1: If you're the player, even if you're not right. 100 percent, you Cup. want to play. It's a world. Who
0: cares Cup. if my hamstring rips off the bone, right? Let her, it. That's where it's supposed to rip. If it's going to rip. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there's also kind of a, a more important point here to mention is that, like, I want to word this carefully. Okay. Eric Quinalda loves attention. Oh, he does. And that's why he ran for president of U.S. Soccer in, okay. in 2018. I think this is a very exaggerated claim, and I think it's potentially like very dangerous because he effectively is saying, right, that because the because the player was put in a position to ask to spin the truth, that that's why this riff is happening, and that's what's leading to the to the lack of minutes. And that to me is really like that's that's putting something on Berhalter that is, I think, unfair wow. and and totally unrealistic. That, that would be Greg Berhalter sabotaging his own team. Yeah, it would be Greg Berhalter sabotaging his own team. Can I give you, I give you a, something I, like what I might guess would have happened? Okay. Not The phone, I assume. Yes. Uh, Greg Berhalter says what he says in the press conference, which to your point may have been too much, right? right. Just admit that it was a tactical decision. If people don't like that you went with Jordan Morris over Gio Reyna, fine. So but own it. Own right. it. And, and it's fine. You're, you're in that spot to make that decision. Not Greg Berhalter. Greg Berhalter does not get off the podium, go to Gio Raina and say, Da-da-da-da. somebody within the staff who after a press conference's job, it is to go to the players and say, hey, this is what the coach a says. Press officer. So that you are, well, whoever it is, I don't know if it's the press officer or part of a press team, goes to the players, informs them of what was said. And somewhere in from what Greg said, the, it being shared with the player and then the player immediately being asked about their fitness, which is a direct question about fitness. That's where we get the, well, I'm on 100%. He had tightness. That disparity then leads to contention outside the camp, perhaps in the family, which is what Eric Wijnaldi is claiming. And then Eric Wijnaldi is saying that this was leading to him being on the bench. But I cannot believe that that's why Gio Reyna didn't start against England. I I refuse to accept that. I refuse to accept that. Forget about refusing or not. I don't believe it. I don't believe that if Gio Reyna's...
1: um not fit if giorena is fit Mm -hmm. he will play because to me giorena has the highest ceiling of any player and he has the highest talent level of any player technically you put him in the midfield you put him out wide wherever you put him he's going to give you something i think he can win a game for you so going back to what we said about greg berhalter there is no coach who's not going to play a player he thinks could help him win and there was a game in poland where that game was there for the taking Mm -hmm. could have helped him win something's going on there to winalda You spoke about it being damaging to Greg Berhalter. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about it from Claudio Reyna's perspective. Mm. Now, Greg Rinalda and Claudio Reyna are friends. Eric
0: Winalda, yes, Uh, yes. What did I say? Greg.
1: (laughs) We got a lot of Gregs here. Apologies. (laughs) Uh, Eric Rinalda and Claudio Reyna are friends. Is there a situation where I see Claudio Reyna confiding in Eric Winalda about something that's going on? Totally. Absolutely. That sounds normal. That's why I'm telling you. I think the truth is somewhere in between. I think we're getting... and, And this is... I guess I'm not dismissing Eric Winalda because obviously he I'm, heard what he heard it's just not as or interpreted as what it. he heard yeah. in some way and he's saying and he has every right to. But this is why I'm saying I think that truth is somewhere in between.
0: Could this destabilize the team? Because before we heard anything from Eric, you and I were on a metro and we talked to somebody who knows people within the Can I be camp. honest? Yes. Can I be honest? Yeah.
1: I don't think the team cares. I, I'm more. You don't worried. think
0: the team says, "Why isn't Gio playing?" Hold you don't on. think that's weird to everybody? No, because players know. And you don't think they're seeing these comments from Eric? Play- players know.
1: Players know who's fit and who's not. Players can see in the training sessions like who's ready, who's not. That's out the window. That's not
0: what we heard from this source. Hold Th- they said that the players I, I've heard, were. I've
1: heard multiple things. Okay, and that's why that's why I'm saying I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. But what I will say is I'm worried about Gio. Gio can be affected. Mm. Gio's a teenager. Is he 20 years old? Yeah, if that? he's a kid. He's a kid. Still. He's a kid. And this is a World Cup. The world is watching. You want to be out there? So if there is a doubt of your fitness, that's physical. That's your body. Where's your head at with this? If this is circulating going around, if you think your own teammates don't think you're fit enough, if you think your coach doesn't think you're fit enough, but you think you're fit enough, what does this do to your headspace? That's what I'm worried about.
4: ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now.
0: All right, so the U.S. not in a bad spot. Two draws from two games and Iran coming up. Very different story, Herc, from Mexico, who lost against Argentina last night 2-0. And the fallout has very much continued in the Mexican press.
2: Se reporta que Gerardo El Tata Martino entregaría el partido. Le está dando tácticamente el partido a la seleccionada. El técnico que llegó. Era para darle un salto de calidad o sea, a estamos selección. estamos estancados. No, 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 repaso no. no, para Esta fue la gran ocasión. Se dejó escapar. ¿Por qué? Porque se conformaba Martín con el empate. Y al que le tienes que responsabilizar es a él. Porque él llevó a los jugadores, no se los
3: impusieron. El futbolista mexicano está sobrevalorado. Sí.
2: México está navegando en un momento de incertidumbre que hace 30 años no tenía. ¿eh? ¿Pero qué podemos esperar? Cuando les, le entregó el partido tácticamente, cuando hizo cambios terribles. Tenemos el caballo de Troya en casa. Y después, a la hora de atacar, no tenemos ni idea, ni forma, ni cómo. No había manera de ganar hoy. Podemos irnos de la Copa del Mundo sin un solo gol, caray. sería una vergüenza. Pero
3: este equipo ha hecho un bueno, bueno, no, no. Yo no hablo, Yo no hablo de que a eso venimos al Mundial. ¿O? ¿Sabes cuál puede ser de
2: terminar, eh, puede, puede terminar siendo el legado del Tata Martino? Tres derrotas contra Estados Unidos y hacer cero goles en la Copa del Mundo.
0: That's what they had to say on television. Here's what they had to say in the headlines. Not very pretty, is it, Herc? No, depressing, this one says, and you still
1: like it. Oh, man. Look at that. A la
0: lona, that means to the floor. And that's where Mexico is right now. Very much struggling in group play after the uh, two-nothing loss. Tata, Leo's when you're in a problem. Yes, what a mess. Yes. Yes. Here is Tata Martino who is talking after the game, probably in some frustration. Quote, the people's perspective is according to what you tell them, talking to the gathered press. If the media only tells them a 60-minute picture, people will continue to be angry. If you tell them the 90-minute picture, Maybe not so much. Martino continued. The problem is that Argentina's goals change the perspective. This is what normally happens because the media only analyzes the results. You know the segment, Get Lost, here on Fútbol Américas. Is it time for Tata Martino, manager of the Mexican national team, to once again hurt Get Lost.
1: He shouldn't even be here. I know. You already said that. Forget Get Lost.
0: Now it's get on the plane. (laughs) Now it's the press's fault. Uh, That's not the. That's not what I. I, What I saw there is him talking about a 60-minute game. What? Who cares about the analysis over 60 minutes? No. What he's saying is the press mold the opinion of the people, which may be true to an extent. But everybody
1: saw your team play a certain way. Everybody saw you go out there with a line of five and give Argentina the ball. And by the way, an Argentina team that doesn't look like the Argentina Mm -hmm. that many picked to win this World Cup. And you sat back. And you just stood there. You betrayed your DNA. You said, go ahead and have the ball hurt us. You put out a defensive line, a midfield line that's pretty much just saying What we're going to do is look for Chuki, look for Alexis any way we can. You two versus five, figure it out. That's what you did. And now it's the press's fault? Mm. It's the press's fault that somehow we are the messengers and we're telling the people, your team played bad. Tata Martino didn't beat the U.S. in, three fi- in t- two finals, one game. Tata Martino is the same guy that doesn't have a goal in this World Cup, Tata Martino is the same coach that his team has played progressively worse from when he took over to where they are now. Tata Martino is the guy who left Santiago Jimenez at home, Diego Lainez at home, brought in Raul Jimenez who's not fit and has played him twice already over players who are fit, Mm -hmm. who can give you more. That's on the press. Left Chicharito at home. That's a big one too. Uh Chicharito's blacklisted. Yeah. Carlos Alcedo blacklisted. Miguel Ayun, when he wasn't born, blacklisted. The same Tata Martino that got in a fight with Sergio Conceição, the Porto coach, over Tecatito Corona. The same Tata Martino that left Héctor Herrera off a roster because he chose to take some time off. The same Tata Martino that is public enemy number one mm. and blames everybody else. This is really what he's resorting to now? It's your fault, the press? It's the public doesn't like us
0: because of you? It's frustration, it's it's what, uh, you know, a wounded animal backed into a corner does. The media only tells the fans a 60-minute picture. This is almost disrespectful to the Mexican fan. The, the Mexican <laughs> fan it's is, an insult is is to educated. It's Knows what's That's what up. It is, and it's also to your point. Uh, this wasn't some like tactical thing that you need. We don't need Juan Carlos Osorio to come up here and explain to anybody, anybody. The American casual fan could watch that game and be like, "Hey, this team in green, they ain't doing much today." And and when they do go forward, there's only two on five. You don't need a a mathematics degree or a footballing degree to understand that Mexico is never going to do anything in this match. So for him to be like, hey, almost it feels like he's saying, I'm smarter than not just the fans. I'm smarter than the press. Nobody's seeing it on on my level, and that's when I think like it's the emperor's it's the emperor's new clothes. Somebody says no, Tata. Actually, I we watched that movie. we are all seeing it, right? We're all seeing that this is a, this is a disaster. You're the only one that's not seeing it. Especially when your quote when your quote is they're only painting a 60-minute picture. No, no journalist, no reporter. Nobody ever has told the story of a game and only talked about. 60 minutes. You tell the 90-minute story. If he wants us to just tell the 60-minute story, that would have been better for him because at 60 minutes, it was 0-0. Zero, zero. Let me ask so you a question. His, his point would have, if, if what he says was true, if, if, the, if the Mexican media only talked about the first 60 minutes of that game, then those headlines wouldn't have been what they were. They would have been singing the praises of, of a tactical masterclass by Tata Martino against Argentina. But it's not what happened. It's not what happened. He bet on a 0-0 zero, zero, and it didn't come
1: through. Jugaron a no perder, they played not to lose in a backfire. Now they are put into a corner because gold differential comes into play mm-hmm. and nobody is convinced that they are going to go They're going to route the Saudi Arabia team not and not, not get scored score.
0: On. <laughs> do you have a, who's gonna score? Who's gonna score? Alexis Vega? Maybe. you know who the goal scorer
1: maybe do you know who the goal scorer in World Cup qualifying was? Who? Raúl Jiménez, he had three goals.
0: Two penalties, right? Three penalties. Jeez, so there it is. There it is. Your top scorer is Raúl Jiménez from the spot. There's more bad news for Mexico, in case you were worrying. Andres Guardado, who left the field in the 41st minute uh, of the last game with an apparent muscular injury, is doubtful for Mexico's next game. He was at training today, uh, didn't seem to do too much, the 36-year-old midfielder coming off against Argentina, and doubtful for the decisive game against Saudi Arabia. Not good news there for Mexico. Although, to be honest, Herc, even at full fitness, uh, I think what we saw is that Andres sure Guardado probably not fit for this team at this level. Well, and not fit going into the tournament if, if this is the scenario. All right, time to check the mentions as we get to your questions from today on social media. From Arturo, how would you rank the CONCACAF teams after two matches? Herc, go on. Uh, I would give uh, number
1: one, the U.S. men's national team. Mm -hmm. Number two, uh, the Canadian national team. Mm -hmm. Number three, Costa Rica. (sighs) Number four, Mexico.
0: Wow. Canada's eliminated already. Yeah,
1: but it says how would you rank them
0: right now? So a team that's eliminated, that's out, that's 0-2, they that They've not rescued me, they've shown anything. Me more, they've
1: shown me more than Mexico. Oh, Mexico got matches. a point
0: against Poland. Awesome. Well, well, it's a point. It keeps you alive. How would you rank them? <laughs> <laughs> Breathe. Well, it's hard. You know what? It's hard. It's hard to say. Don't, don't no, sit no, no, here no. and criticize my four no, and no, say, no, it's no. I, say it's hard. I'm going to say it's hard. I'll give you my four. It's hard because all of them have been so inconsistent, right? right. Right. Mexico is probably the most consistent, and I mean that in a negative way. Right. Right? That's why. That's why they're my fourth. Like, if you look at Costa Rica, you can hammer them for the seven nothing. But but they won. You got to give them so much credit for today. But, but honestly, but honestly, but honestly, like, Costa Rica played terrible today. Like, they didn't play well. Okay. Um, Canada plays great in the first game, but doesn't take advantage. I don't think they played as well today. I think a lot of that has to do with the opponent. You think it had to do more with tactics and maybe some motivation for Croatia. Sure. I think the U.S. probably is first for me. Okay. Right? Um, They have three out of four good halves. Yep. And so... One goal against a penalty kick. And two of those coming against very good opposition. Uh, I disrespect Wales a little bit now, having seen them. (laughs) Uh, So I'll I'll go U.S., Costa Rica... Ooh. Cause they won, okay. and getting a win is important. It is, it is. Mexico and Canada. Canada's are out. Sorry. Ooh. Sorry. It's wow. 0 for two. Next question here on check the mentions on Football Americas. Who does it come from? John, Big John, from the eight one four. Who is that? Central Pennsylvania. All right. Oh no, I think that's eight zero four. We one team eliminated. One needs help, and two control their fates. What realistically can Concacaf do to make the Confederation more competitive on the world stage? Have the rest of the world drop a level? <laughs> You want me to, they
1: need to, look, realistically, they need as many CONCACAF players, as many players from that region playing at the highest levels possible, okay. and that'll
0: elevate the level of each Costa Rica nation. needs to get younger. Mexico needs to export more. Canada probably needs to continue to grow their domestic league. That'll help. You, what can the U.S. do? Keep growing. Can I throw something else at? Sure. Maybe there's a – we've seen the, the UEFA-Conmebol link, okay. which provides you with some decent competition. I think what we're seeing is certainly I've been really impressed with the Asian confederation yeah. here. Maybe there's a CONCACAF. Uh, Asian Confederation partnership that could be done that could provide good competition um, and maybe even a real tournament, a, a real tournament that, that could Take be it. you know competitive matches because I think that's really what they're missing out on. All right, so a big story around the United States uh, has something to do with social media and the U.S. soccer Twitter account uh, tweeting a picture of the Iranian flag. For more on this, uh, let's hear the full report from Sam Borden.
3: Given the history between the countries, Tuesday's game between the U.S. and Iran was always going to have political undertones. But U.S. soccer brought politics center stage on Sunday when official social media accounts for the federation made posts showing Iran's flag without the Islamic Republic symbol at its center. U.S. soccer officials said that the posts were designed to be a show of support for women in Iran who were fighting for the most basic human rights under the country's oppressive dictatorship. Iranian officials, however, responded by saying that the posts showed disrespect and had removed the name of God from their flag, and they called on FIFA to issue sanctions. U.S. soccer officials also said that coach Greg Berhalter and the players had no knowledge of the posts beforehand, though two players who spoke to the media on Sunday were left to speak on the decision anyway. By Sunday afternoon, the posts in question had been removed from U.S. soccer social media accounts. A federation spokesman wouldn't say who within the federation had authorized them to be made in the first place. FIFA didn't immediately return a request for comment on the situation, and U.S. coach Greg Holter isn't scheduled to talk to the press until Monday afternoon here in Qatar shortly after Iran has their official press conference in Doha Sam Borden ESPN
0: well as if the United States Iran match needed any more fuel to the fire we got some more
1: yeah uh, a lot of these kids weren't born Right, the first time,
0: first go around when obviously it was they had nothing to do with it. Yeah, but so. uh, it'll certainly be uh, be talked about on social media, and I bet back in Iran as well. That'll do it for us here on this edition of Football Americas. We will be back uh, tomorrow with plenty more, uh, plenty more coverage from the World Cup. In fact, some uh, big transfer news brewing. Oh yeah, I don't know if you saw it over on uh, ESPN.com, Mark Ogden. Has found a link between Christian Pulisic and Manchester United. See if we can get get Augie on the show tomorrow to discuss that and much more. For her, producer Beto, I'm Seb. We'll see you tomorrow right here on ESPN+.
1: Death is the only punishment here. Now
3: streaming, FX's Shogun. My master
2: asks what do you seek here
3: to vanquish our common enemies. Ah! Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. Hey,
1: hey. Ah!
4: The epic saga of war, passion, and power. that is it
1: come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu.